I'm just having the time of my life. And I'll never forget the clients looked at me and they said, do you like this? And I go, <laughs> I said, yeah, I love it, man. And then we can tell when you giggle like a little girl when all these ducks are circling us, <laughs> we can tell that you really, really like this. Welcome to the DSD Hunting Podcast. Uh, we've got Bill Saunders today. Thanks for joining us, Bill. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. And we don't have to tell you who Bill Saunders is. He's He is probably the, I don't want to stroke his ego too much, but he's probably the most well-known and probably the best waterfowl hunter in the West. Next to Dave. And you, Brad. Now, I won't forget you, Brad. <laughs> oh, you're making me blush, Bill. Um, well, anyway. first, Bill, if you would, for me um, and for our audience, will you give us a little bit of your background? I know you and I both came from Idaho over here, and I know you waterfowl hunted like crazy over there. And what what got you started and what got you to, to uh, eastern Washington? You, I didn't know that. You came from Idaho. Yeah, yep. Whereabouts in Idaho? Well, I was born in Cottonwood, um, a little tiny, tiny town in the middle of nowhere, but basically basically central Idaho. Um, gotcha. Slightly northwest. I did not know that. Yeah. This, was a, this podcast was a success. I learned something today. <laughs> now, um, I grew up in a hunting family. My I grew up in Wisconsin until about the fifth grade. I don't know how old you are anymore when I say fifth grade, but about the fifth grade, mom and dad decided that uh, they had enough of Wisconsin winters and they moved the family west. And I really don't think they had a destination in mind because as the story goes, they were traveling west and there was a fork in the road and dad says, well, we can move to Colorado or we can move to Idaho. And they decided to move to Idaho and um, they moved to Idaho because dad wanted to kill elk or at least hunt elk. Um, he ended up getting some nice bulls, but uh, anyway, grew, moved to Idaho, grew up in a hunting family. And for those that don't know, I mean, Idaho is kind of a sleeper state for waterfowl hunting. I mean, there's tons mm-hmm. of ducks and geese there. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it truly is a great state to waterfowl hunt. Um, I know access, like anywhere else, is getting tougher and tougher. But um, at the time, growing up, um, Dad would take us, you know, hunting, you know, almost almost every day. I mean, like during pheasant season, that's why I don't pheasant hunt too much anymore. I remember when we would go pheasant hunting every day after school. Hmm. We would go and walk. And uh, pheasant hunting was great back then, and we shot a lot of roosters. But, um, I don't know, there was something about ducks and geese and the calls and the decoys and all the equipment around waterfowl hunting that I think really intrigued me and what I really had a passion for was, you know, I think like a lot of guys, I don't know if you're the same way, but, um, you know, it's actual shooting of the bird is kind of the anti-climax of it all. It's all the preparation and practicing your calling and, you know, getting your decoy spreads ready and working on blinds and, and everything that surrounds it. Growing up, that's what, I mean, I love that. I mean, I remember in high school, I had, you know, I had a locker, and I think if you ask my friends in high school, my locker didn't have any school books in it. <laughs> it was a stack of Fields and Stream, Peterson's Hunting, Wildfowl. I mean, probably, you know, half half the, the locker was full of those magazines, and that's all I did, man. I don't know. I don't. I know. I never did a day of homework um, because I was always, you know, after school I'd be hunting, and uh, somehow they they let me graduate high school, and uh, from there just spent the next I think five years hunting every single day. I mean, I didn't miss a day from dove season to you know, waterfowl season. So I was obsessed. I mean, absolutely ate up with it and obsessed. Mm-hmm. So what got so, you into call making then? At what, at what point did you start making calls and what um, was your inspiration? You know, I was, you know, I've said this before and, 
and I think like a lot of us, I mean, I was a grounds guy growing up. Well, I started with a loam and went to heard a big river. It was like nothing I ever had ever heard before. And then moved on to Tim's calls after, uh, I think I saw, uh, it was a hunting video of him. Was it the, was it the outlaw video by any chance? It wasn't the outlaw one because he actually had some that he was on that he had put together himself before that. But I will say Outlaw Decoys 1992, I believe it was, that hands down changed my life. I mean, as far as a waterfowler, and in my opinion to this day, it's still the best hunting video. And, I mean, as far as, I mean, I don't don't think they really shot that many birds, but um, it was... It was it was incredible. I mean, you had you know Tim Grounds, and it was the first time that I had ever heard a half breed. You mm-hmm. know, and you had uh, then you had a hunt with I believe it was Jack Burns, and they had had all the callers were in the woods, and you had a pit line down below with the decoys out, and then all the callers were lined up in the woods, and they were ripping on half breeds in different short reads of that time. And they had that, and the the hunt was Sean Mann, yep. where he's in a pit line, and these these snows and and these yeah. Canada's are coming over the top of the blind. I mean, right there. I mean, it was like something you had never. I had never seen it, and I think probably for a lot of people today, and a lot of the guys getting into waterfowl hunting, you know, we didn't have access to the internet and YouTube and all these different outlets to you know to be exposed to all these cool things around the country i mean it was it was yeah it was a video that was you know just happened to pick it up i had enough money i could scrounge up to buy the video and um and uh to see this stuff but like i said that's the outlaw 92 if you haven't seen it i don't know if there's any way to get it i would tell your listeners it's the best ever ever anyway but before that, Tim had come out with one and was hunting the Mississippi Flyway and that he was blowing that guy's best. And that's really where I got started, you know, really, you know, what I say, obsessed with calling. And, uh, you know, from there, you know, progressed as a caller um, until I felt like I was a strong enough caller and had enough hunting experience that I decided I wanted to move somewhere to become a guide. I had Klamath Falls in mind or Eastern Washington. And in my mind, Eastern Washington was uh, a heck of a lot closer if things went to heck and I had to get out of there and come home with my tail between my legs. So I moved to Eastern Washington and um, was working as a guide. And this was the first time that I had bumped into lessers and cacklers and all these smaller subspecies of Canada goose. And... As good as the half-breed was, Tim's call, um, for calling lessers and, and, and cacklers, it still didn't have that yap. And being around them every day, I was like, I, I wanted to build something, you know, a call that was was closer to the voice, you know, match the hatch. And that's kind of how the call business started, was trying to build something that was you know, I would say closer to what I was hunting on a daily basis. And the, the early prototypes and the calls that I worked with were definitely, they were shorter. They were than what I came out with. The original guide series goose call was my original one. And by today's standards, it was very, it's long. It's a long short read call, but that's what we did to make it easier for most guys to blow. The first one that I really wanted to come out with was was more like the traffic. But, you know, at the time, there wasn't any, you know, videos. And Dave Hennig came out with his CD breakthrough yet to teach guys how to blow, you know, a short read. And, I mean, good luck trying to teach somebody, you know, in a, in a short session that you get to see them at a sports show or whatever, you know, to blow a, a call, kind of like the, the traffic. And um, so we came out with the longer one. And then as soon as that kind of got rolling, I was like, I got to come out with that traffic. So anyway. Right on. That's how it started. Man, I'm talking a lot. You guys should say something or at least 
like make a random noise or breathe really heavy so I know you're there. We're just taking it all in. Like this is this well, and you know, we don't get to talk to you as often as we used to, Bill. So, you know, this is our chance. We haven't you know, we haven't got to stay in touch with you like we would like. So and um and I'm learning what? learning things about you that I didn't know. Well on the even on your Wisconsin, I, f- I forgot that you grew up in Wisconsin. You could have so easily become a a, a diehard whitetail deer hunter and never never waterfowl hunted, or you could have ended well, up that, being a trapper or something. You could have been a mink trapper. Well, that's funny. I always told myself that when I got done waterfowl hunting, or I got too old, I say to to trudge around in the marsh or do that. I always think that it would be fun to become a whitetail hunter and and sit in a deer stand. I don't know what it is about me. Maybe it's the fact that you don't have to walk very much. But in my mind, I always think, man, being a whitetail hunter in a stand just would be kind of fun. But I still got a few good years in me. I can can still beat the brush with the rest of them and get out to the blind. So until then. And you have never gotten the big game bug uh, for the most part? No. No, I would say this. Growing up, I mean, we lived on 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 wild game at my house. I think my brother and I, I mean, it was it was like 67 days in a row that we ate wild game at the house. And then mom and dad took us out to pizza at the round table or pizza hut or something. And then it was right back to, you know, everything deer spaghetti ducks and geese and pheasants and all that. i mean that's all we ate so i did big game hunt i mean it was okay we need to go get some deer and all i remember was let's just get this over with so i can go duck hunting <laughs> I, I, I mean that that was it i mean i i mean i think i mean there's a lot of guys that are that are into waterfowl hunting and i'm not going to presume to know what everybody feels or thinks but I mean, I was, you know, probably not as much today. I mean, obsessed with this stuff. I didn't care about anything else besides getting out there and hunting ducks and geese. I mean, it's all I thought about every waking hour. I mean, I, the only real job I ever had was when I got out of high school, I worked in a restaurant. And the reason I worked in a restaurant um, was the fact that I didn't have to be to work till you know, two, three o'clock in the afternoon, and I would work till midnight, two o'clock, and then, uh, and then I could, you know, have my mornings to hunt every day, and I did that every dang day forever. I mean, it was, well, I'm obsessed. I was goofy about it. Hmm. Sounds like me when I was a kid. Yeah, I worked as a pizza delivery driver summers, um, I was attending Oregon State, uh, you know, fall through spring. But yeah, I worked, I worked a pizza delivery job so I could hunt in the morning. So I, yeah. I hear you. It's all I thought about. It was hard to focus in class when all I was thinking about is where the birds are. I got to go find them. Exactly. I mean, I would get that. I mean, I don't know what being a junkie feels like, but I'd get like get knots in my stomach. I get this six sick feeling if i felt like i was missing out on something we could ask scott yeah. what being a junkie's like um yeah <laughs> okay i don't know scott that well well but uh, that's okay I, i'm Everybody thinking I mean, we might not chance. know scott as well as we thought we knew him yeah he's um i what he would sh- you say dave he, well, he showed up today and it looks like somebody took a liter of blood and injected it into his right eye. I'm not even exaggerating. So Would you either, say that that's mm-hmm. accurate? He's either a vampire or uh, a heroin addict, or he got mm-hmm. beat up at a bar. It's hard to know which, and he's not really talking about it. So yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, what I was thinking, Bill, when you were telling me about your 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 diet growing up, I was, I was kind of chuckling, thinking like, you guys ate like red meat for like, you know, 30 days in a row. And then your mom was like, well, that's, that's too much red meat. So she makes pizza. (laughs) (laughs) No, my mom doesn't think like that. My mom, no, no, I, yeah. My mom is is the greatest cook in the world, but I will, I mean, I'll tell you what, I wasn't exposed to like a lot of weird, different things. I mean, I didn't even know what an avocado was until I was, was like 
18 or 19. I, I mean, what is le- what is this lettuce? I don't know. What, I mean, I didn't know. Mom, we ate meat and potatoes, and I mean, it was and lots of sweets. Lettuce is, I think they use that to kind of just put a little garnish on the plate. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little, couple sprigs of it. I, th- I think it's just for decoration. Yeah, but that's a that's a great childhood. If you if you didn't know what avocado was till you're 18, like that, that's how every kid should be. <laughs> I, did <it. laughs> I did it. I did it. But anyway, but, no, it was it was a good time growing up in Idaho, and um, heck of a heck of a place. Still great hunting there. I get to head over there once in a while and hunt still. But it's certainly changed. It's a big town anymore. Drive through and. Heck, half the common, and probably everybody could say this around the country. You look at a place where there's a bunch of houses or there's a Costco and say, you know, I tell my girls, see that Costco right there? I used to hunt geese right in that field. Or I shot my first pheasant right over there where that subdivision is. Yep. So, anyway. Yeah, I have places like that close to here, and it's a little bit heartbreaking. And then you think about how how people are trying to, you know, populate the world as as much as they possibly can, and that's the result. It's a little bit sad sometimes. So, so do you still have the same passion for waterfowling? Because now it's been a job, you know, a job for you um, with both guiding and call making um, and consulting and all kinds of stuff for so long. Are you still do you still love it as much as ever? Um. I will say I'm not ate up with it like I used to be when I was a kid. I mean, I don't think that, um, gosh, I mean, yeah, those, those years, you know, growing up were just, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, just how obsessed you were. Um, and you know, I still love it. I still absolutely, I mean, when the birds are flying, and I'm calling or I'm, you know, waiting to react to, you know, to, to, to make a move on birds or, or whatever it may be. When that is going on, I mean, uh, yeah, I still live for that. I mean, I still get excited. Um, you know, I mean, I have my clients that I take out will laugh at me. I mean, when I get, you know, I get more excited, you know, or, or um, hooping and bollering, you know, after the guys have a good go or something like that. Or the one group, one group of guys, we were shooting. I love shooting ducks. People know me as a goose hunter, but I absolutely love shooting ducks. And I love shooting ducks out of a, out of a dry field. And a couple of years ago, we were shooting these ducks, and I mean, a great shoot. You know, those big, huge feeder wads of you know thousands of them coming in. And you don't have to be good. You just got to be able to you know have a mojo. Well here we got to pull a string you know call a little bit so it looks like i'm actually doing some work for you guys but all i'm doing is pulling the string and these ducks are just mobbing in here and i'm not calling the shot just grinding through us you know another flock another flock and uh finally they clear out enough where there's you know a small bunch of squares up good for the guys and call a shot and uh I mean, I'm just having the time of my life. And I'll never forget the clients looked at me and they said, do you like this? And I go, <laughs> I said, yeah, I love it, man. And then we can tell when you giggle like a little girl when all these ducks are circling us, <laughs> we can tell that you really, really like this. And, I, you know, to this day, I mean, I still, when those big, I don't care who you are, man. You could have shot, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of these darn things. And when that's happening, that's, exhilarating that's exciting even if it's not to shoot them if it's just to 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 watch them i mean how cool a bird they are absolutely yeah that's 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 cool but uh yeah um but it is a job it turned in it's turned into a job um there are days that are tougher to get up i usually i don't for some i must like it i never need an alarm clock to get up to this day, I think um, usually I only the alarm clock makes wakes me up maybe once or twice a year, and that's usually after a Green Bay Packer football loss. You know, <laughs> I get a little upset. <laughs> <laughs> have a few too many, or maybe after wins. But anyway, no, I mean, yeah, I get up and I mean I still love it. I hate setting decoys. I hate picking up decoys. 
Not a big fan of cleaning birds anymore. Um, but to setting the, you know, once the spread is out there, you know, making adjustments to the spread, getting my hide ready, calling, um, you know, preparing decoys, you know, that, that never gets old. Right on. So, I hate grassing blinds. Yeah, brushing. And you guys don't have, we have tumbleweeds, man. I know. We have you, tumbleweeds. And, and, you guys are spoiled. And, what? Look at ticker bushes. Are, are you kidding you me? felt a, tumb, a tumbleweed? Oh, you guys have all those berries. So wear leather gloves. You can bring a hide anywhere. Man, those those tumbleweeds, they have, those are sharp. They go right through leather gloves, right through them. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking there must be some kind of invention or something, some way to, can you, can you put them in your blinds and leave them for, for long periods of time or do you just oh, have to yeah. put so many could, of them or carry a bunch of them with you or, or you could get Raphael and put it into these, I'll call them hanks of, mm -hmm. of material and you could whoop grass your blind, right? That yeah. is a great idea. If only Great somebody idea. would have thought of that one before. Yeah. You know, I started thinking about it, and I thought of, uh, uh, it always comes to mind, all the cool ideas and waterfowl products that came from out west. It, there's just, you know, whether whether we perfected them or not, but I can think of a lot of different things that came from out west that, uh, you know, growing up, got to be part of, you know, somebody yeah. show you something that, I mean, just, you know, like Dave's decoys and layout blinds and flocking on decoys. And, I mean, this, uh, like motion decoys, you know, and different things like that, that, uh, yeah, they got our, to be part of growing up. Our theory is that we we're, we're such bad hunters out here that we, we needed to invent things to help us. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> out of desperation. Yeah. So, yeah. have you been out yet, Bill? Have I hunted? I no, no, we don't. We have a a two day um, early season uh, um, goose hunt, and I mean, if, if they had speckle bellies open, I would have. We would, could have gone out and really shot the heck out of them but um you know i'm walleye fish all right that's kind of that's that's kind of my ob obsession i love the walleye fish i live you know i'm a, the greatest walleye fishery in the world right here on the columbia river and that's what i do as many days as i possibly can until it's time to get to work so um until it's you know time to punch punch in and start running guys which will be the 13th of of october down yeah, fishing as much as i can and so you won't go to canada then bef before guiding uh, starts no no i took uh i've taken a couple of years off of, of running up to canada and just it uh, probably because i want to fish the fishing you know is typically so good right now whether it's a salmon run but the walleye fishing <clears throat> those can be uh, just awesome, and I love I love my walleye fishing, man. And so, are you entering tournaments, or are you just fun fishing? Or eat? Uh, yeah, we do a few tournaments, do a few tournaments, cash a few checks. Um, but I mean, I love it. I mean, the tournament side of it, I love that too. I mean, I, you know. As a contest caller, you know, back in back in the day, I mean, I loved the competition side of things, and I think um, that's what I enjoy about the the walleye fishing as well. Tournaments, I just you know, you got to have a little bit of that competition in life. So, yeah. but um, I, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it gives me a chance. I I probably fish with my dad. Dad now lives really close to me here. I fish with him. You know, usually a couple of minutes on, good, two, three days a week. I get to fish with my daughters and my wife and a lot of friends that I really get to do stuff with. Because once guiding starts, I mean, it's it's work. I mean, I don't have time to to uh, 
you know, go fun hunting or, you know, get away and do stuff with buddies. So it, uh, the fishing allows me to spend more time with friends and family that I don't wouldn't be able to, you know, during the hunting season. And and when guiding begins for you, you said the 13th of, of October, are you going, um, are you pretty much staying locally there, there in the basin, greater tri cities area, um, all the way through the end of January when the season ends? Yeah. Yep. 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 We're running, um, we're running October's usually slow. And I think that's because there's just a lot of big game hunting opportunities for guys. But, um, I want to tell everybody, I mean, October anymore is turning into one of our best months for hunting snow geese. And like I've told people before, I mean, snow geese are relatively new for us out west here. I mean, I remember 15 years ago, if you shot a snow goose, it was a big deal. Ten years ago, we started to see a few more where we could actually target them. And now we've got, you know, when we get built up, for a lot of your listeners, they may think it's minuscule, but, you know, we'll have, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 snow geese in the area. But and, that's also uh, a relatively small area. You're talking about like the greater Tri-Cities area, right? Maybe maybe up to Moses yeah. Lake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now that we have those and, um, you know, we've got a new limit here in Washington. You guys have actually had it for a while in Oregon, but they will, they'll allow us to shoot uh, six uh, whites on top of our our uh, four Canada's and we get 10 specs, which I don't know who was going to get 10 specs, but anyway, our October hunting for those white geese has, has just been great. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of days you get to see a migration, you know, like if we're hunting in the Dakotas, we'll see these birds pushing down from the North and, um, it, uh, it's really, really gotten to be, probably one of my favorite time of year to, to hunt and that's just because we get to target the white geese and i'm obsessed with those now i will say with all that that we talked about being obsessed with something i've i'm obsessed with snow geese i think it you know the main thing is is it's new to us we didn't have them here and i mean it's it's definitely still i mean with anything there's a, you're always learning every day but with those they're so dang squirrely and they can make you look so stupid so quickly and you could have the best laid out plans and they could go to heck in, you know, a blink of an eye that I think spending, you know, my time, you know, snow goose hunting is just probably my favorite thing to do, you know, anymore. I feel you that snow goose hunting has become an addiction for me too in recent years. And, and, um, yeah, we've definitely had our, had our rough days, but, uh, boy, we've piled them up a, you know, a fair number of times and it, it feels good. If you talk to a lot of the guys, you know, in the basin here and guys in Idaho with the seasons that they have and the, this is the, 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 the snow goose numbers that we have in the West compared to what we had, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there's a lot of guys that are into it now. I mean, it's, um, I know that I get calls all the time from different guys and, in that around in, out west here, you know, asking what to do to, to be more successful hunting them. It, it, uh, it's it's popular for well, sure. Well, look at California. I mean, they, you see, I, I was actually, um, you know, born in, in the Sacramento area and I got started, um, you know, hunting down there when I was five years old. And, and the, geez, the goose limit back then was three total. That was a combined dark and light goose limit. Now you can shoot 30 total. That's 10 darks and 20 whites. I mean, there's, I don't know what the wintering population is, but I'm sure it's several, I don't know if it's several million, but it's north of 1 million anyways. It's, wow. um, it's, it's impressive. There's a lot of snows down there, a lot of specks. Wow. Well, that's, that's cool. That's, and that's the other thing about waterfowling anymore that I've talked to people. I mean, it's how many geese there are around compared to when we were growing up i mean we had birds but you know it was there's you know across the country there's so many geese and you know and the equipment that that's available to these guys i mean i mean i I think it'd be pretty easy to become a goose hunter anymore you know when i was growing up it was i looked up to those guys you know guys like cam and and sean van and Ron Wenneke's and different guys right. that uh, you were exposed to and looked at them as, you know, 
you know, top-notch waterfowlers because to kill geese, you know, anybody could go kill a duck, but to kill geese, I mean, you haven't had your stuff together. Yep. So. And the information was not readily available like it is now. I mean, you not you might have those guys to look up to, but um, there just wasn't that much in the way of instructional available at the time. Not not to mention that layout blinds didn't come around until what twenty years ago. Good decoys are still relatively new. Short regoose calls. I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy how far things have come. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and even even with the the scouting and knowing where the birds are and and the the weather apps and different things that are available, I mean, there's no no doubt that it's changed a lot. I was I was sitting there trying to think about running the guide service before I had a cell phone. I think of, you know, I worked for a couple of different outfitters, you know, when I first moved here and I can just imagine, you know, everything that I do for my cell phone in the truck, these guys had to, you know, go out, spend all day scouting, then come home, take care, you know, chase down clients, make sure everybody was lined up. I mean, in, getting a hold of farmers, you, you know, you have to run to a pay phone or something like that, or, or drive and drive and drive until you could find where they were, where they lived. It, uh, it's changed a lot with, you know, I, I was thinking with the Onyx maps and everything. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's easy. And, and where's it going? What's that? I said, and where's it going? What's it going to be like in 20 years from now? Oh yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe you just have to click on the on your Onyx map to get permission, and you know you'll have a alert that tells you that the birds have moved into your county. And, <laughs> At which point you open your your drone app and your phone, it flies your decoy spread to your field and has everything mm. set up, your blinds grassed and and everything by the time you get there. Yeah, that would work. That would work. I think you know, Ducks I've... Unlimited years years ago had a a uh, an article, and it was something like the future of waterfowl hunting. <clears throat> and they had they had one of the things that they had on there was a projector that would project your decoy spread out onto the field. Hmm. And they what else did they have? They had a, a duck call with a motor in it, and God, there's a few other things. And, you know, you think about it, we're not that far away from some of the stuff that they had featured in that magazine. So, Yeah, that basically what we're hearing is that the decoys will be obsolete. <laughs> we're, right. we're out of business. Um, I'm looking across at my partner like, what are we going to do, Brad? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Go true. get real jobs, maybe? Mm, yeah. yeah. No. That ain't going to happen. Dave, you could all start trapping again. You were a trapper for a long time, weren't you? You know what? I'm still doing it. I still love it. You still trap? Yeah, I, I do. Um, but I'm a little bit of a... Cats or you figured you have everything trapped out by now. No, I mean... As old as you are. You know what it is? is <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that, well, look at you with goose hunting, how many geese you shot, and you... you're telling us that the population keeps going up and up and up. Well, it's the same thing with trapping. Like Not here. Not here. Yeah. Well, so maybe you really are chipping away at them. I don't know. I thought you said there's 50,000 more snow geese now than there were 10 years ago. Yeah, Doesn't sound are. like you're killing them very well. From. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm slacking. Maybe that's why I'm obsessed with them. The son of a guns are making me look bad. <laughs> well, what I was thinking when you were saying that you're really passionate about snow geese is that like with any of these endeavors, the, f the funnest part is always the like the journey, like, you know, learning something new and having little breakthroughs and, you know, doing the research and all that stuff. That's a super fun part. And so like with snows, since they're relatively new, I know you guys are killing them better than anyone in that area. Um, but still, it's still got to be fun. You know, this just since it's so new. Yeah. No, that's exactly, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, it's the little breakthroughs that that you make. And um, I don't care who you are, how many days you spend in the field or whatever, you still make breakthroughs every single time you go out there. I mean, something is different. So, you know, 
and I think that's why I can still go every day. It's, 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 I always see something different. Well, the, like I said, the drive, the setting up, the picking up, that's the same every time. But the, the actual playing of the game is different every time. So. Well, and that, that only happens if you if you experiment and try some things. And there's a lot of people that don't. You know, you, you can still have little breakthroughs um, and discover things, but you learn a lot more if you just try try new things all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, how about your, your snow goose hunting out there in South Dakota? You're still doing that every, what, every March, right? February, March. Yep. Yep. We'll go back in, um, March and, you know, when I first started doing it, I would spend, you know, four weeks out there and then it turned to three weeks and now I've got her knocked down to the two weeks, what I would consider the most reliable weeks to be out there, um, and that's a different ball game. I mean, there's so much pressure, so many hunters doing that. Um, it, uh, it's, it's certainly a challenge, but when it, when it all falls into place, you know, um, I can't think of anything more fun right now, waterfowling than to be on a really good snow goose shoot. Um, but you've got to put in your days. You know, I tell my, my hunters that come out, um, you know, typically, you know, I tell them come for three days. You're going to see, one good day, one okay day, and probably one shitty day. And, um, you know, everything falls in place. We could have three good days. Everything goes to heck. And I mean, I've been out there and been in a million birds, and overnight they leave. And I've also been in there when I haven't had, seen a goose all day, and at 1 o'clock somebody hits a switch. And it's, you know, it's more geese than you've ever seen flying, you know, coming down or up, you know, coming from the south or, you know, if you had reverse. But, um, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a blast, man. I really like it. Um, there's a lot of guys doing it. Uh, there's a lot of competition. Um, and for the most part, I've uh, made some good friends, you know, doing it. and Got in contact with some people that I probably wouldn't normally be in contact with. And we share information and, you know, it's, it's good to know that on those days that you're struggling, other guys are struggling. And, um, it's, um, it's fun just being out there. I don't know if you guys have been and done it before. I don't, I'm not sure if you have or not, but it's, uh, it, it's quite an experience. I've never done it. We go through March 10th here for geese and then it seems like we get all of about three or four weeks off and then it's time to get after the turkeys and we're usually pretty, pretty busy in between. So I haven't done the spring snow goose and I've done my share of fall hunts and they are, they're a ton, um, a ton of fun, yeah. but, but, um, I'd love to try the, the spring hunt sometimes. Um, good friend of mine goes up I'm to out. Canada for it, but yeah, yeah, no, Canada, Canada would be fun. I, I've, I haven't been to Canada in the spring, but from what I've been told, they, they relax quite a bit once they get up next to that tree line and the shooting can be it, and are incredible. you guys pretty much running traffic bill out there in south dakota yeah i had a, i had a couple of years where i chased beads because that's what everybody wanted to do and i've had that you know that technique and that style of chasing those feeds blow up in my face um i would say i mean when it all falls in place and on a feed field you can have an incredible shoot but like I said, I've had it backfire where I mean, it's just, it's terrible. And, you know, it's a ton of work for, you know, not only you and, and the guides, but even the, the hunters, you know, if, if they've got to do any kind of help. Um, so, yeah, I run traffic and pretty successful doing it. Um, you know, you just, you, you know, you wait for that perfect storm, you know, when everything falls in place and the birds are pushing and and they're decoying well and, and everyone's shooting straight, so that's that's uh, yeah. So can you leave, with that? Can you leave your spread out for multiple days in a row? Yeah, yeah. I've I've found a couple different areas that I would consider pretty consistent areas in high traffic areas that um, I can put my rig out and I can leave it for you know several days and um, you know you'll have ups and downs and. Uh, and a lot of days, you can't predict what days are going to be the good days and which days are going to be the bad days. But um, 
we have good shooting. We have good shooting. And leaving it out like that, it's, you know, I can continue to add to my rate. Or, you know, I can, by the end of the trip, my spread usually grows from, you know, 1,500 to, you know, at, you know, thousands and thousands of decoys out just to see how it would work. Uh, you get to, you know, play around, you know, with all the, the robots and different things that, that uh, we use, um, you know, different e-collars, where to put them, how many e-collars, what to do. I mean, there's, I mean, it's kind of like fishing. You keep throwing different stuff at them until you figure out what they want to bite on. So mm-hmm. um, that's just, that's waterfowl hunting, man. You just got to keep throwing stuff at them. And once you develop a pattern, stick with it until they quit biting and, you know, make an adjustment. So. Hmm. Sounds like I fun. love it. Right it on. is fun. You guys should come, you guys should come out. Well, now that we've got this snow goose decoy in the works, we might just have to do that. I know. I don't want to even talk about it because I got a sneak little peek of it. Did you? I'm going to tell. Oh, my. I'm telling everybody right now, this thing is the best snow goose decoy I have ever seen in my life, hands down. I mean, you guys... I mean, the, the carving, we all know that Dave is going to mess that up because he's pretty good at it. But the color, the poses, all of this stuff, I mean, you guys got it. I mean, it's, yeah, right. I saw that, I saw that picture and I, and I was just like, oh my gosh, how much am I going to spend on these? <laughs> so, That's what we like to hear. Sucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know if that was showing that picture to anybody or not. I caved in. Well, he, it's all well, Mike Callian's fault. He's the only person I sent well, it yeah, to. Well, yeah, you sent it to to the gossip girl. <laughs> sending it to Mike. He, he likes. He's like, oh, you got it. I mean, I yeah. I'm not saying it just because I'm talking to you guys. This thing is the best. Well, thanks, Bill. That now, means a lot. Well, now I, I just need that. to figure out how how I'm going to transport and take care of them. Is was where I'm at. You know, we we've all kind of adjusted the way that we we goose hunt you know to, to hand, hunting over custom decoys and you know it's a little bit more work than i would say you know kicking big foots out of a trailer or throwing a bunch of uh silhouettes out but um i think we all know the benefits of hunting over a custom decoy and i'm just trying to i mean i want i seriously want like 500 or more of these snow goose decoys you guys have and i'm just trying to figure out brad thinks he's got a system worked out but i need to figure out how i'm going to be able to do this yeah i'm i'm right there with you as far as a i don't know about 500 i think i'd probably want about 300 but i don't i don't hunt snow geese as much as you do so i say i want 500 but i really mean i'd like a thousand (laughs) that's that's kind of that's snow goose mentality i mean yeah i'm more 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 yeah but, um i but who knows i mean i we've built i mean you guys know and i mean i've hunted over a stuffer rank uh for canada geese for for quite a while and you know custom decoys are you know in a lot of times probably more so than other decoys are can be just as effective as my stuffers uh you know we've built a stuff small stuffer rig of snow goose decoys but I'm wondering, you know, maybe maybe a guy can change the way that waterfowlers, you know, attack snow geese and and run a small spread of ultra realistic decoys, you know, and by small, like you're saying, 300 decoys. Yeah, maybe 300 instead of 800, or you know, or, yeah, because or I mean, thousand. I've been in I've been in South Dakota where uh, I mean, last year in particular, I mean, it was. You know, I've got, you know, 2,000 decoys out there and I'll run a, you know, I'll run my robots or I'll run a flat spread or, you know, I'm fixing it up, trying to figure it out. And I'll have, you know, 15 live ones, you know, land over here or a flock of 20 or a flock of 50 or whatever. And it pulls everything away. And it's, you know, once they start the, the chaos and it starts to build, I can understand, you know, that, that that's going to happen. But just to have them standing down there, you know, even with their heads up in an alert position, not moving, they still, in a lot of cases, have 
better pulling power than 2,000 wind socks or other full body decoys. Hmm. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, if you guys, you know, with, I mean, like I said, the carvings there, you guys, I, I know you're, you're working on a, a cool motion system from what I want to talk to Brad, and you guys have got this color nailed. Maybe a guy could get away with a small ring of them and, and be, you know, successful. So, you know, I would say that that was one of the things that really appealed to us um, and got us motivated to make a snow goose carving. And, um, you know, the idea that maybe snows now are where Canada's were 20 years ago. Um, and just mm-hmm. like you're saying, you know, 20 years ago with Canada's, there wasn't very many really ultra realistic decoys, but people were using giant spreads. And that was sort of the answer. And we kind of wondered, well, what if what if you had an ultra realistic decoy and just a smaller number and kind of, you know, that kind of got us motivated with snows. Like this would be kind of fun if, if that could work out and, you know, who knows, some people might do a small percentage of their spread in ultra realistic decoys. And some people might do the entire spread and, you know, it'll be fun to see, see what happens when everyone comes up with. Yeah. And you know, um, like you, like you mentioned, Dave just absolutely nailed the pose and there's, there's four poses. We have two feeders and, um, one true upright, I guess you'd call it a century. And then one that we call a strider, I guess other people would call it maybe an active, but, um, uh, but he, he completely nailed the poses, um, which I think is probably the primary component of what makes them look, uh, how they do. But then another thing that we really focused on was trying to get the right color and, mm-hmm one of our observations have been that snow geese definitely are not a pure white color. And like every decoy we've ever laid eyes on has, has too much of a bluish cast to it. And, and snow geese are dirty looking They're you know, they have more of a yellowish, you know, light, light brownish cast to them. So that's, we've really, you know, focused on trying to get that, um, to translate into a, an accurate paint paint scheme on our on our snow goose decoy. Yeah, well, like I said, based on the picture, I mean, it's noticeable that you guys have, you know have have something that is definitely different than than the other colors that have been out there before. You know, my bottom line is get them out there. Send me a spread of three hundred of them. And I will let you know if the color's right. Oh, that's oh man, great. that's such a relief. I don't think anybody besides you would be willing to do that so yeah thank you yeah you know i will take it i'll take one for the waterfowling community because (laughs) this is truly the best novice decoy out there awesome well well thanks bill we appreciate that no that that really does it means a lot coming from you i mean you're really hyper Uh hyper critical of of our decoys you always have been and that's a good thing we we appreciate it i mean i'm and i'm being like very sincere when i say that um a lot of people you know we we hear, oh, your decoys are awesome, your decoys are awesome, blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't really help us, you know, improve. And there's always yeah. room for improvement. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would I would say, I mean, I'm probably one of the most critical people of, of decoys. And I would feel like I've got a pretty good eye for it. I mean, like I said, I hunt over taxidermy and mounted birds. You know, like, granted, they're not always in the greatest poses. But in my opinion, you know, one of the most important things is, you know, is the color. And, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of decoys out there that are okay. There's a lot of decoys out there that are are rough, to put it, to put it nicely. Hey, and, on that, yeah, on, on that subject, do you remember when Dave and I used to come out and guide with with you guys at Pacific Wings, and we'd always get stuck with the trailer. What what do we call that trailer stuff? The morgue. The morgue. <laughs> the morgue. Because it looked like a bunch of goose corpses with, you know, sticks shoved up their butts. They oh would, my it god, was, those it were was a rough trailer. The morgue. The morgue. I, I remember some yeah. of them had like their heads and their beaks chewed off by no, mice. They and... did it. <laughs> no, they still work. I bet you I have some decoys in my rig that uh, are missing parts on them, but uh, they work. They work. It was it was the fact that I always put you guys in a bad spot. That's, <laughs> that's why you guys struggle. <laughs> that's why we never <laughs> killed a goose in two years of guiding over there. <laughs> not, uh, oh, 
come on. You guys killed something, didn't you? Uh, yeah, about 500 gallons of fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, that well. Yeah. Maybe we got a goose one day. Did, did we get a goose? Well, what I remember is a lot of days. Where I know it. We, where I'm sitting there with my clients, and I'm like, I'm pretty much out of jokes, <laughs> and and then all of a sudden, we, I get a call that 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 Bill is limited out, and that I got to take my clients over and jump in his pit, and and yeah. that was that was always an exciting thing. It's like oh. You know, you're sweating, you're sweating bullets, and you're out of jokes, and then all of a sudden you get that call, like, "Oh, thank God." Well, I do remember Dave. I think it was Dave that had uh, somebody drive down and shoot over the top of your head that one time. Yeah, that was pretty spectacular. Yep. And I've yeah, had, but they and it was your decoys, so that was a you know, although he shot a gun out of a window over your head, but it was a testament to how good the Dave Smith decoys did look. All right. <laughs> yeah. And and how drunk the driver probably was. Yeah. It was a, a dual campaign. It was for our decoys and against de- uh, driving drunk. So Yeah. 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 There's there were some good times there. I just love that that country and it's dry. You know, we whenever we would leave from here to go over there It'd be, you know, raining and storming here and everything, and we'd get over there, and it was just dry and beautiful country and just good times. Yeah, I think if uh, if people don't know where you guys hunt, I mean, I will say this: you guys have a ton of geese, and the you know just the the from hawkers to cacklers and the different things that you can do, and the and the thing, the numbers are incredible, and the 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 scenery is beautiful, but you guys have two much damn mud and it's too <laughs> wet and it's raining i used to love to go there you know even that was when you guys you know you had to take the test and you had to go check your birds in. and then that was you know it's different it was fun but i tell you what you guys can keep all that mud and all that <laughs> rain because i do not like going over there doing that anymore or even mm-hmm. getting soft and old or whatever it may be but uh yeah yeah. It, well, uh, you guys have I don't know it. How you guys do it every day? You guys do have it pretty good where you're at. For anybody who's never hunted the basin, there's like an endless number of these crop circles over there with roads that go all the way around them, and they're surrounded by tumbleweeds. And it takes like three tumbleweeds per blind to hide them. So you can hide a blind in like five minutes, and you can basically choose any spot on this 360 degree tumble or uh, crop circle to put your blinds, and then just put a bunch of tumbleweeds around them and you drive right You're to your spot. You're making it sound like it's like this is easy over yeah. here. Well, Tell us the guy who did it that did it kill a goose when he came over here. Come on. That maybe that was a little bit of an exaggeration, but now I come <laughs> over there with I hunt over there with Reese every year now and Oh and, yeah, Disneyland. That sounds like it's really tough hunting at Disneyland. <laughs> Here they come. Oh, they're walking in. Get ready. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I love that guy. And, yeah, he's got some pretty good ground over there on the Oregon side, I got to say. But Yeah, uh, yeah we uh, we actually went over there and had a word. I don't know exactly what farm we're on, but uh, he took us over and we were able to shoot an episode of Drake's Migration Nation. And I'll tell you what, um, that was probably one of the better days of shooting video than I've ever had. Um, it was, God, I mean, just the birds, decoy. granted, there was a lot of snow, it was cold, and they were pressed for food, but, I mean, they just decoyed well. There was a lot of birds. And, you know, it was just a lot of fun. And then we got to go shoot mallards out of a cornfield. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really cold. I just remember a lot of those birds that we had shot, I mean, they were scrawny. They were starting to starve Hmm. there's a lot of snow geese over there now too i was blown away yeah yeah there's 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 quite a few in fact uh, you know fish fishing down on the columbia river there they they hung out there until they were there in through may almost to june before they finally left wow a lot of them so um but yeah there yeah every year there's more snows i think you know the fishing game had said that Every year for the last five years, our population of snow geese in the in the basin has doubled. So wow, that's that's pretty yeah. incredible. And that's why I need those 
fancy decoys. That's right. So that means that every year your order will have to double. <laughs> so if we start That's with a thousand, you'll be up to That's a million fine. in what, like five years? Mm-hmm. Ten years? I mean, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no mathematician. You're good at math. I'm not. Yeah, and you don't even have to order. We'll just keep your card on file, and we'll just make that happen. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> you guys are getting a lot more cacklers over there, too, is one thing I've you noticed. Know, you know, cer- yeah, certainly we will. I mean, it's, and I don't know what really influences that. Um, they seem to come, um, I would say, early. When they come, they're coming just a little behind the snows. Now, if we get a Chinook and it warms up, We'll get a bunch of them, you know, say in January. We get a reverse migration. We'll see quite a few of them. Um, and, you know, you always see one or two or a flock here and there you know, throughout the season. But where we've got, you know, you know, considerable increase in cackler numbers would be early and then late. And uh, I love hunting them. I mean, you guys, they're just a neat bird. Um they can be, they can be, you know, like any bird. They can be the smartest thing that I've ever ran into, or they could be the silliest, dumbest thing I've ever bumped into. But they are, they're a lot of fun and beautiful. And if you guys, if you haven't shot a real true cackler, I mean, just the color, that that breast color, I don't even know whether blue, purple, whatever you want to call yeah, it's it. It's like a metallic color. God, that's crazy. It's a cool, cool looking bird. So, but uh, yeah, we're seeing more of them. And, they're fun. They're fun to talk See, I, I, my theory why you guys are getting more on the east side is is um, more more pressure on the west side is my thoughts. We, you know, we for two mm. or three seasons now, um, they bumped us from it was four or five days a week. I can't remember. We're seven days a week now. And, oh, um, I thought it was because they were flaring off your guys' decoys and they were flaring all the way to eastern Washington. That too. Yeah, definitely that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it is, or maybe they, these are colonies of birds that are hanging with all these snows, or you yeah. know, whatever. I don't know. But well, here in the valley, it's interesting. We've, we've done away with check stations. You no longer have to check your birds in. So now uh, there's just a lot more hunters, and anyone that's just that duck hunts shoots at every goose that they see, they see, and that that adds a lot of pressure. Yeah. That's how I feel about the snow geese around here. I mean, the uh, the ceiling for shooting snow geese, I think, for most guys, is probably about a hundred yards. That they, they everybody wants one so goddamn bad. That I mean, we're 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 at we're one of the farms. And we're fortunate. We're right next to the refuge, but. Unfortunately, we also there's a portion of the refuge that you can hunt. And this isn't directed towards all the hunters, but there's a, there's quite a few of the guys that I mean, when those snow geese come out, I've never seen people shoot so darn high at them. I mean, I know that they though it doesn't take a lot to kill them, and they come down very easy compared to other geese. But like I said, I mean, these darn birds they got to be a hundred yards in the air that these guys are hacking away at them. It's hmm. Unbelievable. And I, you know what? If you're that good a shot and you can kill them from that high, do it. I mean, I say I tell my guys it's only sky busted if, if you miss. And if you can hit them from there, heck yeah, kill them. You know. <laughs> yeah, but, but don't be overconfident. Are... Yeah, at some point yeah. though, after you've taken enough shots and nothing's happening, or you you cripple one at at that point, that's your sign. Yeah, well, these are so high that I know the guys that are they're they're knocking down swans thinking that, you know, thinking that they're snow geese. Oh, boy. I think the last last couple of years at the refuge here, the guys have got swans. So, but I do know that i got to commend the one group of guys. Uh, the, they shot swans and they turned themselves in. Can you believe that? Wow. Well, that's admirable, yeah. So, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they only take your hunt license for half your life. So, it's good Good job, guys. Well, I think we pretty much just about covered everything. Um, Got anything else to add there, Dave or Bill? I just want to say I really appreciate the time, and it's good to catch up with you, Bill. Well, it was good to catch up with you guys, and I appreciate you uh, getting a hold of me. I like this. This is fun. My daughters and my wife and all my friends are tired of listening to all my 
BS stories, so it's good to get to tell them once again. So, <laughs> well, any any time, give me a holler. All right, that's all great. right. Yeah, thanks, Bill, for coming on, and um, you know, good luck this season with with guiding and with with the call business. Thank you, and I will be waiting for those boxes of snowcus decoys to show up. Okay, well, you keep keep waiting. <laughs> we'll work on it. We're working on it at our end. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get the bugs worked out and get you some testers. Yeah. Perfect. All right. All right, buddy. Take care, Bill. Good talk. All right. We'll Thank see you guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.